Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Past few weeks, um, we've been dealing with an effect of grace called help. And we say that uh, help is one of the outcomes of grace. It's found in Hebrews 4 verse 16. It says we must come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, but to find help in times of need. So when you come to a throne called grace, what you will get is help, divine assistance, right? Something outside of you that comes to aid you, that comes to help you in one or particular respect. And we've disclosed to you several principles that you as a son of God could activate that help facilitate that help, dispositions or acts or behaviors within you that recruit the help of the Lord. And um, it's been a fairly long time now. I think this is about session 9 or 10 in this particular mini focus. And I want to encourage you to rehearse the teaching so that you adopt a particular mindset that doesn't repel the help of God but recruits must you, your life must be like a magnet that attracts grace. Humility is the magnet for grace. God gives grace to a humble man. When God sees humility, that's like a magnet, a grace magnet. But when God sees pride, pride is a grace repellent. It pushes grace away. The humble says, I need help. The pride says, the proud says, I don't need help. So any humble disposition within you recruits the grace of God unto yourself. We have been through several principles um, that biblically uncover or facilitate your reception of the help of God. In recent times, though, we've focused and dwelt on one specific one, which I think is a great secret. That's a great key for me. Many people, sons of God, do not know it because of its, its revelatory dynamic. Some know it, don't enter into it, because the profundity of it hasn't settled within you. If you know a thing to be true, you will go after it with all of your heart. Not so? So the, 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 the issue is, if someone does not prioritize a thing, it's proof that the thing has not become revelation to you. If a thing has truly been revealed to you, they, you, will, you will not need an SMS a WhatsApp message to encourage you. You will not need an email. You will respond out of the revelation in your spirit concerning the matter. Pastor Thamon Naidu is my spiritual father in Christ. I will not need to have a, a reminder nor a second reminder from him about anything he calls my attention to. Why? Because I respond not out of, keep, uh, of coercion or reminders from one above me to engage in a certain act. I respond out of the revelation in my spirit regarding the thing. Okay? So I want to encourage you, obedience must be inwardly born. Right? It must be reflexively enacted. Not in response to an external command based upon you outwardly brought to bear upon you, 
but it must be rooted within an internal desire from deep within your spirit to obey God. Why? Because of a revelation of the matter to you. Simple example. If you value the house of God, the gathering of the saints, you would not need a reminder to come to church. Why? The revelation of the issue bears profoundly within your heart and you shift priorities to accommodate the priority that you give to the gathering of God's house. Jacob responded to tithe in Genesis chapter 28. It's his account of his vow to tithe. When did he vow to tithe? When? When he saw a ladder with angels ascending and descending. And he said, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he woke up from a dream and he called the name of that place Bethel, which means what? The house of God. Everyone say the house of God. And then he said to God, if you be with me, keep me wherever I go. Uh, deliver me from my enemies and bring me back to this place. He knows I'm going on a 20-year run from Esau, my brother. I'll be divorced from this. He said this place, I'll be taken away as a fugitive running from the anger and vengeance from my brother for 20 years. But he said this to God before he left. Bring me back to this place. Everyone say this place. And he says, of all that you give me, surely I will give a tenth to you. Okay. I see erraticism. I see inconsistency in tithing. I, I told Renee, I, I will rather have my lights cut than my tithes not paid. I would rather have that holiday sacrifice than take God's money, spend it on our personal issues, and displease the Father. Yeah? Very serious. Right? Why do I say that? Why do I come to a place of conviction? Why? Conviction is born out of a revelation. Jacob said, surely this is the house of the Lord. This is Bethel. Whatever you give me, I will give a ten to that. No one held a gun to his head. Thou shalt tithe. No one cursed him. There was no external command. There was a revelation of what the house meant. And the, tithe, the, 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 the vow to tithe was born out of a view. The vow, listen carefully, to tithe was born out of a view of God's house. You see, what you see will dictate your behavior. And sometimes behavior is not according to biblical standard. Because you ain't seen nothing yet. Blind perception leads to erratic obedience. But once I see a thing, it, my vision propels my, my obedience in a very, very consistent fashion. Amen. So I want to encourage you. It's, it's, it's a day in God where this church, more than any other, I think, will be held accountable for what you have heard. Listen carefully to me. I speak to you as your father in Christ. You will be held accountable for what you have heard. Better you did not hear it. Rather go to the church down the road where you did not hear these things. Now that you do know to whom much is given, much is, much is required. Right? I'm sensing the frustration of the Lord with inconsistent obedience. With casual attitudes in reference to divine things. And we think we can dismiss God's agenda. And then when we are in a crisis, we expect him to prioritize our agenda. 
Yeah, it doesn't work, guys. You prioritize God's kingdom. He actually said it in Matthew 6.33. If you seek my, seek me first, seek my kingdom and my righteousness first, every other thing will be added to you. So don't put God's priorities at the backside of your agenda and expect in your crisis for God to prioritize your need. It doesn't work that way. God will always love you. God is merciful, extremely gracious. But He is expecting maturity. Grow up. I expect of this house maturity in the name of the Lord. I expect you to be mature by now. Jesus said so often to his disciples, how long have I been with you? He speaks out of frustration when he saw attitudes and behavior in the men not fit according to the time and space he spent with them. He said, how long must I be with you? Oh, you have little faith. I was expecting a specific modus operandi, quality of behavior, certain thought of mind by this time. Everyone say by this time. You'll find this statement in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 5, Hebrews says, For by this time you ought to have been the teacher. But you have need again that someone comes again and teaches you the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the baptisms, etc. Right? Everyone say, by this time, I want to challenge the church. Thou art inexcusable, O man. I'm quoting the scripture Romans. Right? Tell your neighbor it's time to, to man up. Time to man up. Right? Time to man up. Be accountable. Quit he like men. I'm speaking King James now. King James says, quit he like men. In other words, man up. Face the music. Face your responsibility. Commit to the Lord. Give him your whole heart or don't give him nothing at all. It's either him holistically or none at all. You cannot vacillate the way you have been doing. You cannot be inconsistent the way you have been doing. It's simply not pleasing to God. I can come here and butter you up and give you a nice sugar-coated message and send you on your happy and displeased God. But I speak to you as a father in Christ. It's time to be consistent. It's time to be faithful. It's time to be oh, obedient before the Lord. Amen. Do you receive this this morning? All of you. Do you receive this? I'm talking to all of you. I'm saying whatever level you are at, stop the inconsistency. Stop the erratic behavior. Stop the, the flux. Stop the moodiness. You are so moody. We don't know how to receive you anymore. We don't know what mood we're receiving. Stop the vacillation. Be the son of God. Be mature in the name of the Lord. Yes. Come on, tell someone yes. Be mature in Jesus' name. Do you know sonship is not tested when all is well? You showcase your sonship when your father has to discipline you. That's where sonship is tested. Yeah? So words like this, I say this because of my love for you. I say this because of my concern for you. I say this because I want the wellness of you and your family and all to be well with you and you must be successful in all that you do. 
to get back to the message. That was a Holy Ghost interruption. To get back to the message. A secret that God has been revealing to us in recent times. If you've missed the past three or four weeks, you've missed a whole lot. I can, it's all the way I can put it. You've missed a chunk. It was like we were here, but now we've exponentially gone and jumped a leap by virtue of all the doctrine and the principles God has unveiled to us in recent times. The principle in, in a nutshell which was variously demonstrated throughout the scriptures was this. If you want grace to help, one of the dispositions you need to adopt is a, a disposition of strong support to your leader over you. Because that leader over you has got purpose attendant with him. For example, in this case it would be me, the leader over you. Now, Hebrews says, obey them that are over you, where? In the Lord. If I say I'm over you, I'm not being hierarchical. I'm not saying it's for ranking in God's kingdom. is never for superiority of one over the other. Ranking in God's kingdom is for functional effectiveness. God puts one over, like, like in a marriage, there must be a head. It's called husband, right? So ranking the head, the husband, is for functional effectiveness, not to denote qualitative superiority of the one over the other. In a body like this, God puts a father as the head, sons underneath him for functional effectiveness. The sons underneath the father must have this revelation to receive the grace of God vested in the father and not just the father, vested in the purpose for which the father manages. Everyone say purpose, right? Now, just quickly, 2 Timothy, I think it's 3.10. 2 Timothy 3.10. You have followed what? My teaching, my conduct, and my purpose. Let's just stop. There's a whole lot of other things after this. Remember I taught this to you a while ago. I framed it as TCP. Everyone say TCP. Right? So it's TCP. Teaching, conduct, and purpose. Now you've got to say this to yourself. What is the what characterizes my relationship with Randolph and Renee as my fathers? So I am meant to follow the word of the Lord that comes through them. So up until this time, have, am I following their teachings? Right? In other words, am I listening to the messages, to the doctrine? Because, let me just say this to you, the word of the law that I preach to you defines our relationship. Preeminently, you are here, not as a member of this church, as church membership is thought of widely, but you are here as a son to a spiritual father. Okay? The intent of God is that through the dissemination of the word of the Lord, the grace of, the God, of God would, would flow to you. That comes through teaching. Okay? Every other thing about our relationship is peripheral to that central thing. The central thing is the word of the Lord coming to you. Secondly, you mustn't just follow my teaching. You must watch my conduct. Okay? My conduct should reflect my teaching. Never follow a man whose conduct does not reflect what he teaches. So you, Paul 
said this to his son, Timothy. This is an instruction from father to son. Timothy, you followed. Everyone say follow, right? You followed. And I got a long teaching on the grace series on how to track your spiritual father. I call it tracking. Everyone say track, right? Paul, uh, Elijah said to Elisha, if you see me as I ascend, you get double portion. That is have the father in view and track him. Track his ascendancy. Track his growth. Because the, the requirement was, if you not just see me, if you see me where? If you see me as I go up, you get double portion. So it's tracking the ascent and growth of your father. But here is the thing that I think, you know, some of you might be wanting already in the first two. You never mind the rest. And there's a whole message on each of these statements here. But if we just start here, I want to encourage you, are you tracking the teachings? Because if you're just coming to church, or maybe coming to tick yourself present, you've lost the plot already. No grace for you, no grace to help, because grace is the way. Where is the grace of God? Come on, talk to me. The grace of God is in the Word of God. The grace of God is in the teachings. You, you, you neglect the teachings, you're neglecting grace to help. Right? Secondly, the grace of God is in the conduct of your father. Paul said, you've imitated me. In other words, if you're struggling with the matter, just watch my life closely and mimic and imitate. Watch my priorities and copy. There are certain things I've learned in God by following my father in the Lord's conduct. I see how he postures himself in certain contexts, how he behaves, how he will respond. The, 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 the quorum, the protocols he will observe in certain scenarios. And guess what? That's an education too, to me. It's an education to me. That's all well and good. But come to this last part. Everyone say purpose. Now purpose is where most people lack. Randolph, I love your teaching. Randolph, you're a good guy. Conduct hundreds. Hey, but you have this thing called purpose attendant with your life. I don't want to go there. Because to go there is to cost me a great deal. Paul said this to Timothy. Timothy, well done. You know, Timothy was Paul's, one of Paul's best sons. Right? He said, you followed not just, you were not just fascinated with my doctrine. You were not just... Uh, 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 enthused or taken aback with how I conducted myself in purity and holiness. He said also, Timothy, when you locked into sonship with me as your father, there's one thing, my son, you understood very well. That was the purpose of God attendant with my life. Now, listen to me. Everything I've taught you and Andy taught last week in the past few weeks concerning how that if you strengthen your father, you become strengthened. What are you strengthening your father for? What? To accomplish purpose. Everyone say purpose. When I say David's men, for example, strengthen themselves by strengthening David. They said to David, when Saul was king, you were the one who led us out and you were the one who led us in. And well did the word of the Lord say to you that uh, you will be a shepherd of my people Israel. They knew David's past. They knew David's prophetic future. 
They saw next in line to be king. Now that you are king, we rally round about you, especially the 30, 30 mighty men. We rally round about you and we not just give you support. What kind of support we give you? Come on. Come on, say it's stronger. Say Say it like it's strong. Come on, say it. Strong. We give you not just support. We give you strong support. And these guys, one guy is killing an Egyptian giant far bigger than Goliath. One guy is with a single spear killing 800. 800 against one. Right? One defends a field from Philistine attack of lintels successfully and with a single guy defeats 300. One jumps into a pit on a snowy day and defeats a lion. Whatever David did, these men take it to the next level. The grace on David is amplified in them. Now tell, you know, I, can't, I don't know how to get this into your spirit. Say, this is a secret. Huh? You interview those mighty men. How can you, brew deal with 800? All by yourself, you kill them. All he will tell you, he will turn back to David and say, see whom I'm connected to. Then you can say, but David in his time never ever singularly defeated 800. Then the guy will say, yes, that's the secret. All I do is I give that guy strong support and the grace in him is amplified in me. Whatever he has, I have double portion. I'm able to do in my time much more than he could ever do, but I will never discount him and the God in him for the grace that transfers to me, that causes me to be successful to this degree. You've got to understand this. Elisha performed twice the miracles as Elijah. Why? Double portion. I read the one session we did here a few weeks ago. I read to you Psalm 105, remember? And remember, it, it praises Moses. This guy Moses is the man. God's man of power for the hour. He's, he's hitting rocks and water's flowing. He stretches his rod and what happens to seas? They, they part. He throws a stick into bitter waters. What happens? They get they get cleansed. He holds up a bronze serpent in the midst of the wilderness and everyone who is bitten gets. Is Moses powerful? Yes. And Psalm 105 says he is that powerful because God remembered his covenant promise to Abraham. What Moses is doing in his time is referable, referable, or referable, and connected to an ancient promise in Genesis 15 that God gave to Abraham. You in your time, me in my time, I cannot just do God's work willy-nilly outside of what I do being an expression of the purposes of God connected to a spiritual father to whom I'm accountable. Okay? We then looked at another case study. Aaron and Moses lifting, Aaron and her lifting Moses' hand on the mount. Remember? That's a picture of supportive leadership. So long as his hands are raised, Joshua wins the battle against the Amalekites. Not so? So long as his hands are raised, the battle is won. 
Remember, where did this take place? At a place called Rephidim. Remember? Rephidim means twofold. I just gave you the one meaning. It means rest. Remember I said to you, the enemy will attack your rest. But Rephidim also means support. Something in reference, it means support and hints at strong support. So, will, let me ask you this. Will Moses and Joshua be successful against the Amalekites without the strategic placement of Aaron and Hur? Yes or no? No, it's not going to happen, right? Aaron and Hur's lifting up of Moses' hand, that is, what are they doing? They're strengthening their leader and in the process, strengthening themselves and everybody else. Tell your neighbor, when you strengthen the hands of your leader, you are strengthening your own hands. Tell someone, big secret that. Uh, uh, I, I think, you know, and people don't understand that. I say, but I can show you example after example after example in the scripture of how success and, 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 and heightened efficiency of function comes to someone and you trace it back. They supported some leader somewhere. Right? It's no mystery. Now, if you withhold your support, guess what? You will be successful to a degree because God's grace and mercy abounds. But I'm not after a degree. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, not, not success to a degree anymore. Come on, we want the maximum. I'm going after maximum. Tell someone, we're going after maximum. The father-son must go beyond romanticism to purpose. I love you. You love me. Good. What must we do now? Yeah? Everyone say purpose. There's something to do. Love is the basis. I will do anything. I will die for my father if I have to. That's how much I'm committed. But the relationship was established by God to fulfill a purpose. If I as a son realize that, lock into that, guess what's going to flow to me? Call grace to help. Because you are purpose fixated, I can give you the grace you need to accomplish the thing. But we want grace, 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 but not doing nothing. It's not going to work. Yeah? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What did Jesus say? Because he hath anointed me to preach. To, to Two, two. There's something to do. You can't say spirit upon me for me only. Get goosebumps, feel good, do nothing. No. It's for purpose. Come on, tell someone, get going, brother. Get going, get going, get going. When Moses, when Aaron and her realize, hey, all of us are in trouble. We better go up this mount and support the Bali. <laughs> Let's lift his hands up. Aaron. Right? Noble. Uh, what does his name mean? Light. Enlightened one. Right? Her, he who is cavernous, is able to root out things. They support his hands. And what do they put under him? A stone. Eben in the Hebrew means sonship. So the stone is a picture of sonship. What supports a leader? Sonship. As long as his hands are raised, the victory is, is won. Okay? 
enough of the summary. I need to get back. To, I need to go to where I need to preach today. All of that was summation. I want to get to some practical things. Andy started this last week. I've already hinted at some practical things. I promise you I won't be long. I'll be another 20 minutes or so. You can ask in your mind, so what must we do? What do you want from us? Well, firstly, obey the doctrine. You can support by obeying the word of the Lord. In fact, obedience would be one of your greatest expressions of support. Do you know when you obey the teaching I bring to you, what are you doing? You're bringing me into rest. But when I see disobedience in your life, I'm in unrest concerning that matter. I say it again, the greatest expression of support you can give your spiritual leader is when you actively obey the doctrine that he brings. Then honor him or her. Honor, everyone say honor. Don't ever cross the line of dishonor. Don't cross that line. I told you before, I've trained my soul and my spirit never to think for one second a negative thought concerning Pastor Thamo. Honor starts with a mindset. Yeah? And you, you can leave here and say, oh, you're worshiping the man. No, we're not worshiping the man. We don't deify men. We honor them. Yeah? We honor men because in men, spiritual fathers, is, is God's purposes worked out for us. Where does honor start? Honor starts with an esteem in the mind and is expressed outwardly in the behavior. So it starts with a thought. Never think disparagingly. Never think uh, um, negatively regarding your leadership. To do so is to court serious, serious danger. Okay? Then submit to them. So you obey I could go through each one of these statements and teach a whole lesson on it. Time does not permit. I am just saying obey, submit, and honor. Everyone say obey. Submit and honor. Right? Obey, submit, and honor. Third John verse 1. Sorry, third John chapter 1, verse 4. Third John. I have no greater joy than this. John speaks as a father. And what does he say regarding his children or his sons? To hear of my children walking in the truth. Would like to give Randolph great joy. Right? Not just joy. Who, who is convinced that it's in your best interest that I be at peace? Yeah? The more composed I have, the more I can give solid attention to hearing God and delivering his word for you. But if I'm in relative unease, disease, lack of peace, lack of joy, my spirit becomes affected. And sometimes it can, it can hinder the degree to which I access the word of the Lord. It's in your best interest to bring your father into total peace. John said, how can you bring him the greatest joy as a father? What must you do? Walk in the truth. As a father, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, my sons, are walking in the truth. That's very important. So you honor, submit, and obey. Say it again. Honor, submit, obey. Those are the preeminent things. Number four, understand purpose, like I've said. 
understand purpose and vision and own it as your own. Buy it as your own. Don't say that's Randolph's thing. I stand aloof from it. No, a spiritual son never ever regards the vision of his spiritual father as the father's. The spiritual son always says, if it's the father's, it's mine. If it's the father's, it's my priority. What are we after? Everyone say grace to help. Come on, say it again, grace to help. Talk to one of David's mighty men. Talk to that guy who killed the 800. He's saying to you, I'm operating in a grace component now directly linked to my disposition of strengthening the hands of my David. Okay? Tell your neighbor, strengthen the hands of your David. Tell him, uphold the hands of your Moses. And tell them, see your Elish, Elijah ascend. That's, those are bedrock principles. See your Elijah and see what happens to you. Before I go on, are you getting this? Yes or no? Must we say amen, go home and just close shop? Are you getting this, yes or no? Are you convinced this gate, this ministry, gate ministries, Durban Central, has divine purpose attached to it? Yes. Are you going to lock into that purpose? I want to encourage you. I'm saying big secret, guys. You prioritize the purpose. Now, let me, can I give you some examples in the Bible? Right? We, we know a few. Here are some more. Because some of you need to be convinced just a little bit more. Right? Just a little bit more time. Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> 16 verse 6. <clears throat> they passed through Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Ghost to speak the word in Asia. Afterwards, they came to Mysia, and they were trying to go to Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So, here's the Holy Ghost directing Paul's activities, right? Regionally and globally. Then it says, afterwards, go, go to the next verse. Passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Massa was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Bithynia, they were forbidden to go. Paul is sleeping. He has his vision. In the vision, he sees a man. Help! Come this side, bro. This side. Come low side. Help us! That's all Paul sees. Question, who saw the vision? Come on, I need you to see. Who saw the vision? Paul, all right? Come over and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we. The he becomes a we. He saw it. We sought. Everyone say he saw. Immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. Now let me just say this. The vision of your leader must become the priority of the group. Paul sees it, we commit to it. Yeah? Paul sees it, then we commit to it. Let me just read this for, for the sake of completion. I could have just left this here and go to the next point. But I want you to see something, how it unfolds. Look at verse 11. Putting out to sea from Troas, we ran straight course to Samothrace and... On the day following to Neapolis, 
And from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia. Where are they going to? Macedonia. Which city in Macedonia? Philippi. You have a book of Philippians today in your Bibles because one man saw a vision and a whole group supported him. Yeah? Bear in mind. Right? And a Roman colony and we were staying in the city for some, for some days. Watch. Next verse. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had assembled. Okay. A woman named who? Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple. Now, if you are selling purple, who is your clients? Kings buy purple. Is this a successful businesswoman or not? This is a high-class businesswoman. So Paul is reaching strategic people, right? A seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God. So there's no contradiction between being a successful businessman and you being a worshiper of God. Yeah? She was listening and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken of by Paul. I won't read. You, must, you have to read the whole long chapter. What does she do? She begs Paul to stay where? In her house. But before Paul enters her house, the Lord opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart. If your house is closed, it means your house, your heart is. The house of Lydia is open once the Lord opened her. Her heart, not so. But Lydia means bending amongst many things. It also means brought forth, firebrand, bending. Now, if you, if, if you want to bend, you must bend, right? So it means I stand up. You know, people think I'm strong. I'm unbending, immovable. I'm standing up. No one can bend me this way or that way. <laughs> but bending means comply. Bending means submit. Bending means complicit. Bending means moldable, malleable. Adaptable, prone to change. Tell your neighbor, maybe you need to bend. Lydia, when she recognized grace, this is very, if, if you want to put Old Testament parallels to the story, it's how the Shunammite received Elisha. When he came, when this Lydia saw Paul coming into Macedonia, um, she opened her heart, she opened her home. What is she giving Paul? Strong sir, Port. Who saw the vision to go to Macedonia? Paul. And the Bible says, when Paul saw it, we saw it. So tell your neighbor, buy into the vision. Buy into the vision. Quickly, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. It came about when Sanballat heard we were rebuilding the wall. He became furious and very angry, and he mocked the Jews. Watch. He spoke in the presence of brothers and wealthy men of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Remember the Jews were trying to rebuild the wall, right? Sanballat is deriding their efforts. He's mocking them. What these feeble Jews, what wall can they build? Are they going to restore it? For themselves, can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble? 
and even the burned ones? Question. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near, and he said, even if they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. They're really tearing the guys apart. Eh? Who would like to be building a wall and someone says, carry on building, a fox would just come and jump on your wall and it's down. Uh, really, they're trying to discourage the builders left, right, and, and center. Right? Next verse. So Nehemiah turns to God and says, Yeah, O God, how we are despised. Return their reproaches on their own heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and not let their sin be blotted out before you, for I have demoralized the builders. Right? Verse 6. Now, he says, in spite of all of that, I just love this verse. Summer says, so we built the wall. Tell your neighbor, just build it. Right? Despite the opposition, despite the taunting, he says, let's carry on with the program. So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height. Why? Why? He says, for the people, the builders, they had what? They had a mind to work. Now tell your neighbor, have a mind to work. Come on, say it again louder. Have a mind to work. Last verse. Go to chapter 6 and verse 15. Chapter 6 and verse 15 says the following. The wall was completed on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. The wall was completed. Why? Last verse, verse 16. All our enemies heard of it and the nations surrounding us saw it. They lost confidence. Why? Because they recognized that this work had been accomplished. How? How? Oh, come on. Talk to me, church. How? Say it louder. How was the work accomplished? But what did he say about the people? They had a what? A mind to work. Who is the leader? Nehemiah. He has the vision. He has the vision. The people come around him and they strengthen his hands. Listen carefully. And I'm sensing for many of you in recent times, you have been demoralized. The enemy has come up against you and discouraged you left, right, and center. Saying, what is this thing that you with this church are up to? Even if they do build it, what they build will not stand. Don't, I say to you by the Spirit of the Lord, don't listen to the enemy. Don't let the enemy discourage you. In the process of the execution of the purpose of God attendant with what we are building. Now is not the time to be discouraged. The conviction of Nehemiah is that the wall is finished because God is helping. Everyone say grace to help. Come on, say it again, grace to help. But grace to help is accessed to a people with a mind to work supporting the visionary of the work. Yeah. That's how it works. Grace to help in time of need. I speak to you by the Holy Ghost today, church. And I charge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a mind to work. Have a mind for purpose. Don't come to the church primarily with the idea, what? does Randolph has in store for us today. 
It's gimme, 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 bless me, bless me, my name is Jimmy. It's, it's only one directional flow from the pulpit to you. But you must rise up in sonship and say, well, I will, there will always be that component. Please don't, not, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm always here to bless you. I commit to you to always be of benefit to you spiritually. That's my commitment to you before God. What I'm asking from you is, when you see purpose, like for example, if I'm not here on a Sunday, there's not a time to be absent. It's not a time for commitment to, to lax. Because if that's the case, then you are serving a man and you're not serving your father. Yeah? It worries me when I, when I go, I try not to be absent in my travels. I try to get back on a Saturday so that I can be here on a Sunday. In certain times, it's not possible. And I always have a, it overwhelms me the Saturday before the Sunday, wherever I am in the world. Will they come? Will the setup be done in time? Will the service go on as per normal without hiccup? I should not be worrying about those things by virtue of where this church is in its history up to this point in time. Those factors should be non-issues. Why? There should be 30 mighty men behind saying, don't even consider it, it's done. Don't think about it, done deal. Everyone say, strong support. Come on, say it again, strong support. Forgive me, I have to give you one more example. You know, there's so many here. Unfortunately, sorry guys, I keep saying this is the last installment of this of the series. I'm going to have to go another session with this. It's Ezra chapter 10 from verse 1 to 4. And it concerns another way in which you can support. Come on, so are you going to buy the vision? Yes? Are you going to own purpose? Yes? Right? Everyone say teaching, conduct, purpose. Right? All I'm saying to you, brethren, let, let me be honest. I don't want to put a heavy on anybody. I don't want to force anybody. Let me say it nicely. If you don't want this, stay where you are. Come, we'll help you. We'll work with you. Always, you in a crisis, I'll be the first one at your door to help you. No strings attached. That's my commitment to you. It's fine. Tell someone it's fine. Don't feel pressure. This is for mighty men. David has the army of hundreds, but he has 30 mighty men. Where if he just whispers, I want water from the wells of Bethlehem. These guys are breaking through Philistine ranks to fetch a, a water to give their leader his, his desire. I'm talking to those kinds of people. Right? So tell your neighbor, be happy where you are. Come up high if you want to. <laughs> Ezra was praying and making confession and weeping and prostrating himself before the house of God. Let me give you the context here. They married inaccurately, the whole nation. Particularly leaders married inaccurately. The priesthood married uh, girls or women from Canaanite nations that God says, you don't do it. But this took place over a 70-year period when Israel and Judah were in Babylonian captivity. So in a 70-year gap outside of principles, everybody does what they feel like. Now that the nation is being restored, Ezra comes back and he, he administrates a mass divorce. It was a serious time, eh? It must have been a very painful thing, this. To have thousands and thousands upon people leave your wives and families and, and respond to the word of the Lord. And who's doing all of this? Who has the burden fall upon? God said to Ezra, you put the nation right. They've gone away from my laws. They married heathen nations. That's the context. Now watch. 
a very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel. And the people wept bitterly. It was a heavy emotional thing going on here. Verse 2 says, watch, Shekaniah. I love this guy. Everyone say, be a Shekaniah in the spirit. I love this guy. You know, these, these like unsung heroes in the narrative. All we know when we read Ezra is Ezra, the big role player in front doing the business. But there's a Shekaniah right by him, <laughs> upholding his hands, giving him strong support. So Shekaniah, the son of Jehel, one of the sons of Elam, said to Ezra, this guy says to his leader, we have been unfaithful to our God. We have married foreign women. The peoples of the land, yet now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. Then he says, verse 3, So now let us make a covenant with our God and put away all the wives and their, not our children, their children, and put away their children according to the counsel of my Lord and those who tremble at the commandments of our God and let it be done according to the law. Yeah, God told Ezra to do this. This brew, the Shek Kaniah, comes up and he reminds his leader, hey, it's true. We, unfaithful bunch, yes, hope, there's a gap to get the thing right. We put away the wives and their children. And notice what he says to his leader in the next verse. Arise! You like for me to say to you, arise. That's all. But this guy is saying it to his leader, arise, for this matter is your responsibility. But we will be with you. Be courageous and act. Now, I want you to repeat this verse together in chorus, but picture yourself there. The scene is masses of thousands of married couples before you. In one moment, you're going to divorce all of them by the Lord's command. Was they married wrongly for 70 years? Is this an easy thing for Ezra to do or not? It's a hard thing. The responsibility is his. And maybe this Shekaniah perceives in his leader. I know you're a man of God. And let me just say this to you. Don't presume that we men of God got it all together. Never think Randolph is fine. Don't worry. He doesn't need prayer. He's strong. Don't worry about him. Don't think like this. I don't need to WhatsApp Randolph an encouraging word of scripture. He's got it all together. He's fine. Renee, wow, mighty woman of valor. She doesn't need a, an email of encouragement. They're fine. Leave it. Let them do the business. We'll just come to church every Sunday. Never think like that. Let me just say this to you. If you have been the recipient of consistent encouragement from your leaders over an extended period of time, think now and then to offer the same to them. Every now and then when the Lord moves you. You have no idea. I'm begging my heart now. You have no idea what a single verse can do to me. Without, you don't have to comment on the verse. All you do is, my Ezra, I want to boost you. You know, I love the, say arise with the exclamation mark as it's meant to say. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. 
arise. I think, you know, Ezra standing at the podium here, about to do this. This guy comes on the side. Leader, arise, leader. What is he doing? Strong support. He says, this matter is your responsibility. It's hard. I know it's hard for you. I know it's a difficult thing for you to do, my leader. But we will be with you. Say this after me. We will be with you. Arise. Let's repeat the verse as we close. Stand with me. Oh, come on, church. This is a secret. This is revelation. Say, arise. Arise. Let's repeat the whole verse together. One, two, three. Arise, for this matter is your responsibility. But we will be with you. Be courageous and act. Israel is applauded in the book. The book is even named after Ezra. But there's a Shekaniah behind the pulpit saying, go for it. Go for it. Behind you. 100% behind you. Run, my father, my father. Go for it. I'm right here. I'm right here. That's a Shekaniah. I'm dying to share with you Timothy's example. That's a forthcoming attraction for two or three weeks' time. I'm telling you, tremendous blessing go for it my leader Aaron and her holding Moses' hand Elisha washing the hands of Elijah Joshua you know what Joshua is described as Joshua the minister of Moses Joshua the minister great secret great blessing in this position let's lift our hands Oh, Father, you know, brethren, I don't know what more to do to convince you of this profound truth. Receive it in the name of the Lord Jesus and let your life forever be altered. Receive it in Jesus' name. Become a mighty man in the Spirit. Receive it now in the name of the Lord. Let the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Receive the truth that is able to set you free. Come into a new place of amplified grace. Double portion grace. Double anointing grace. That will be your portion. Our loving Father, we lift up our hands to you because it's to you that we appeal this morning. I ask, oh God, give your people a mind to work. Give your people a heart to work. Give your people a heart to own purpose. Not just to follow teaching and conduct, but to follow purpose, mandates, In the name of the Lord. Come on church, lift your hands. I want to pray for you of grace, impartation right now. I impart the grace to help to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray that this position, our strong support will be your portion. I pray that you would be the Joshua to your Moses. You would be the Elisha to your Elijah. I pray that you would be the Timothy to your Paul. That you would be the Ruth to your Naomi, that you would be the, 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 the Esther to your Mordecai. I pray that you would be the Shekinah to your Ezra and that grace will come to you in an unprecedented way in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let all of heaven now be a record, Father, of the disposition of your people. 
May the disposition of the mind to work be yours in the name of the Lord. I bless you with the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and brings no sorrow. I speak strength to your bones. I speak strength to your mind. I pray you will not be discouraged by Sanballat and the Tobias that challenge your efforts in the name of the Lord. You will not be demoralized in Jesus' name, but you will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. In the name of Jesus, I speak strength, help, provision, protection, preservation to you. I declare to you all today, it will be well with you. It will be well with you as you position yourself accurately in the Lord. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, amen and amen.